Welcome to Unplanned Potency, the only podcast on the internet where feet smell like chicken and chickens are actually potatoes. <laughs> Chris, how was your week? <laughs> uh, chickens are potatoes. Does that mean chicken nuggets are french fries? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, you weren't ready for that one, were you? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the world's most twisted McDonald's. We serve fries, fries, nuggets, nuggets. You want your nugget, nugget meal or your fry, fry meal? It's the same shit. <laughs> it's the same shit. <laughs> Accept it. Uh, just, how was my week? Um, yeah. My week was both uh, fantastic, uneventful, and stressful. I celebrated my dad's birthday with uh, my sister, my mom, uh, my dad, and my sister's boyfriend. He got okay. a smoker. And uh, he smoked some meats. I made some macaroni and cheese. We had, you know, other smoked meat-related side dishes. And, you know, it was just a nice uh, little gathering. Uh, so that was pleasant. That was on Sunday. Other than that, it was a pretty relaxing long weekend, which was nice. It was stressful mm-hmm. in the fact that I keep thinking about work, um, which I don't love. <laughs> you know, you try to put that stuff out of your mind when you're not working. Um yeah. But beyond that, it's been it's been a decent week. Uh, have yeah. it yourself. Uh, it's fine. Speaking of like not being able to put work out of your mind, mm. that's an issue with working out from home. Because like, oh, I, fe- I feel like it's easier when you work somewhere to just like load up in your car after work and just be like deuces, I'm out, and then just like put it off until tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it's real way harder to do that when you work from home. That's one downside of working from home. Well, yeah, when you're working from home, <laughs> for me. The place where I play video games is the place where I work. Yeah, yeah, and me too. Yeah, yeah, I don't love that. Yeah, but uh, my week though was fine. I uh, this weekend I went to my mom's house for Fourth of July, and I saw my aunts and my uncles on my mom's side. We ate some pizza. We played some card games. Played some dominoes, and it was fun. I watched some racing with my mom. Drank some beer with my mom, watched some Netflix with my mom, and then I came back, and yesterday was Tuesday. What did I do yesterday? Yesterday, I worked, mm-hmm. and then I watched more Netflix with my girlfriends. So yeah. I've watched a lot of Netflix. What are you guys watching on Netflix? Uh, Travels with my father. I don't know if you know who Jack Whitehall is. He's a comedian. He uh, He's a British comedian in the show. Because it's a few years old, he's like 28, and his dad is like 78 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he convinces his dad to go on a five-week trip with him to Southeast Asia. And his dad's a really old, stuck-up, grumpy, conservative British guy. And it's just funny. It's just funny to watch him be real unamused by not having his creature comforts. Yeah. And being real intolerant of... other people's (laughs) like way of life right on it's pretty funny um Uh, yeah i don't know who jack whitehall is i'll have to look him up and check it out i have an idea but i might not be right so i'm not gonna say anything yeah yeah you should check it out um but speaking of fourth of july we took last week off of the podcast 
And uh, so you got a four-minute ep- uh, mini-sode instead of an episode last week. But we're back this week with a full-length episode. If you watched the last Podency Plays that came out the week before last, I subjected Chris to some games that I used to play in my childhood. And we figured out that uh, the games weren't as good as I remember them being. <laughs> because I was seeing through nostalgia-tinted glasses. And Chris, if I'm not wrong... That has something to do with our topic for the day. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about how the past just seems better than the present. Um, And through the lens of nostalgia, movies, video games, just life in general often seems better in the good old days, as they call it, right? (laughs) So that's where that phrase probably originates. I'm not going to say great. Back when America was great. Make America great again. Yeah, um, back in... I remember, I remember, yeah, member berries. I mean, a lot of things, a lot of things stem from the idea of the past being better. Um, so through the lens of nostalgia, why, why, why does everything in the past seem better, and are things in the past really better? So that's where I want to jump in. Okay, I think there's a couple things that play into it. The first thing is when you look back on stuff that you enjoy, like games and movies and stuff, you tend not to remember things that are mediocre. Yeah. Right? You can remember things that are notably terrible, and you can also are likely to remember things that you really enjoyed doing. So when you look back on stuff, like I said, you tend not to remember the mediocrity, and you remember the things that you enjoyed more. So when you think about a moment in time or you think about doing something, Mm -hmm. you have like this quick slideshow of fun memories of something that you can play back really quickly. So I think the issue when you get into like playing the games that we played in the last pod and he plays is there's a lot of monot there was a lot of monotony in those games and so like your brain filters that out and just plays you like a highlight reel of the good parts of something so it seems better than it actually was see that that that's interesting um because when i think of something nostalgia tinted uh for me a big one's world of warcraft right um i remember at least I think I remember the amount of like time you have to mm. put into World of Warcraft when you're like leveling and it takes like 20 days or 10 days or whatever <laughs> to level a character from like 1 to 60 um in yeah. like vanilla or classic I don't I, I don't specifically know in classic but like I I say that I remember that right you know I'm like yeah. oh yeah it took forever I spent like a week going from 59 to 60 blah 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 but when I when I say I know that, and but when I think back on it, I'm so like, oh, it was better. It was it was a better time, despite knowing how shitty <laughs> taking that long to level is. Um, do you think that in terms of the past and um, achievement, you know, yeah. when when you're when you're accomplishing something and something that you already have accomplished, do you right. think that the difficulty of something? And getting through it also tends something in a more positive light than the present because you know that you accomplished something. Yeah, I can see that. Like the first time you accomplish something, it does feel good. Like you feel like I find you finally achieved this thing, and so maybe you fondly remember like the endorphin rush that you got 
from finally accomplishing that. I think, like I said, I think this the thing that I said could apply to that too is like you remember this highlight reel of leveling mm-hmm. up, and you and so it seems better than it is. But then when I think about World of Warcraft specifically, or even just RPGs that I really liked, it, not even necessarily when I was a kid, but just when I think back on them, I enjoyed them more the first time because what was actually fun was the unknown and like yeah. experiencing new things because like. When you play World of Warcraft for the first time, you load in, and you don't know everything. You haven't seen everything. It seems like a mystery. And so as you play, you exp- you're constantly experiencing new stuff. Um, so the allure and the experience of something new helps. Like, it, it was better when you played it the first time yeah. because it was new. But then I think with World of Warcraft, the thing is with the mystery... Another side of that is when you're playing it for the first time, it seems better than it actually is. The like, it's not even it's not even that you had more fun the first time necessarily. It's just that you think you're gonna have more fun the first time <laughs> than you actually end up having. Because if you don't know how something's gonna play out and you don't know everything there is to know about something, the joy and the excitement comes from what could be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're always wondering what's around the next corner. And so the excitement is in the anticipation. And what actually, what you actually end up experiencing or what is actually there to experience may be a disappointment, but it was the experience of wondering that was actually exciting. See, that's that's interesting to me. And I don't want to get stuck on World of Warcraft too long. But when we're talking about World of Warcraft and we're saying, you know, there's a nostalgia for the past. World of Warcraft still comes out with new expansions. Um, But I think a lot of people would say the new expansions aren't as good as the old stuff, um, which is why there is the classic servers. But when you load into a new expansion, there is that mystery. You don't know what the continent is going to look like or what the zones are going to be or what the storylines are going to be, the quest, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why, Why does that sense of mystery not hold up after you've already played uh so many expansions well and i would based on like the people in our audience that i know listen i think that most people listening probably know what world of warcraft is but uh, brief explanation if somehow you've been living under a rock for the last 20 years and you don't know what world of warcraft <laughs> oh, is 15 yeah warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> oh seven uh 2004 i think right 2004 16 18 wow yeah yeah um anyway if you've been living under a rock for the last 18 years world of warcraft is a massively multiplayer online rpg which just means it's a place where a bunch of nerds go log online you role play a fantasy character in a medieval fantasy land you do quests you turn them in you get money you get experience your character levels up you get more shit to put on your character you meet a bunch of people you form a guild you get mad at those people and then you quit (laughs) (laughs) um yeah periodically there's a new expansion to world of warcraft which comes out and adds more content to the game but to your point about the expansions why is the expansion not as exciting as it as the original content was for one thing i mean my personal opinion is that the content that blizzard puts out now isn't as polished and i it isn't as good as the original content was. Um, Another part of it, I think, is even though it's new content, it's still 
typically follows a formula. Sure. Like, and that the I mean, that's they're hindered somewhat by they have to kind of play it safe because they have a specific audience that they want to sell the game to. And if it's too different than the base game, then they may lose that core audience. So they sort of have to stick to a formula in that regard. Plus, it's the same game. So you're limited by what the game can do. Yeah. So, like, it may be new content in the sense that it's new enemies, new dungeons, new gear, whatever. But really, it's just the same concepts just played out in a different way. So it's not as interesting as it was. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, Yeah, like like you said, it's you you have to stick with that core concept, right? Um, And once you understand that core concept, there's only so much new stuff. Uh, or or even no new stuff to discover and you're carrying that core concept along through um different backgrounds um uh, the class may get a new spell or two but um it's still going to play fundamentally the same and i i think that concept holds true to not just games or world of warcraft in general but like life in general because things are patterns right And as you get older and you have more experiences, your brain works in a way where it sees things. Your brain filters things through your previous experiences. So the more previous experiences you have, the less novel new experiences are. Because Mm -hmm. it's more likely that you've done something that may not be exactly the same, but is close to what you're doing now in a way. So like the first time you watch a TV show uh, that you really like, if you've never seen anything like it before, like, let's say the first time you watch anime, you maybe you watch Dragon Ball or something, and you really like it, you've never watched any anime before, and it's just the greatest thing ever, which Dragon Ball is pretty good. But then if you go find another anime and you watch it, it may be totally different in concept, but it's going to be slightly less interesting to you because now you've already seen an anime. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You may be, you may watch Dragon Ball and enjoy it a lot, and and it's really exciting because it's an anime. And then go watch Death Note, which is completely different. But now, instead of experiencing anime and getting to experience the story of Death Note at the same time, now you're really just experiencing Death Note for the first time and not two things at once. So it's a little bit less exciting. Whereas if you flipped it around the other way and watched Death Note as your first anime, it would probably seem more exciting than it would have if you had done it the other way around. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess I guess the concept of pattern recognition and yeah, it, it kind of uh, detracts from the dopamine hit uh, right. potentially um, because when you're exposed to something new, you're like you you get that shock factor. It's like watching right. a magician uh, do a trick you've never seen, and then once you've seen one trick. If you see a trick that is similar, you're not as impressed. Um, you yeah. may not know how it works still, but once you've seen a rabbit vanish, um, you care less about a rose vanishing or right. what any other object until you see a different type of trick. And you're like, oh, shit, that that lady <laughs> is floating in the air. And then every yeah. time after that, you see a lady flow or any object flow, it's a little less special. So that makes sense to me. What about in, in the sense of life in, in, in general? Does this sort of pattern recognition hold up and just life experiences because i think a lot of people and not everyone uh you know this this applies to a specific maybe not a specific set but a subset of people that 
their earlier life was better than their current life. Um, some people say that they reached their peak uh, in mm-hmm. high school, like that high school was the best times of their life. Uh, some people, you know, it's their 20s, other people, it's their 30s. But generally, people can point to a time in their life that they think was better, whether it's a full year or decade as people get older. But do these pattern recognition things play into just life in general as well? I mean, yeah, I think so. I think um, a lot of that is to do with the what I was talking about earlier with mystery and not knowing what's around the corner. Because some people, different people have different times in their life where they get to the point where they've decided that they're just going to settle down or that they're done with like going out and adventuring or taking risks or something like that. And that, that time falls at a different time in a lot of people's lives. But I would wager to guess, and I wouldn't know this without talking to different people who would say this, but... I would say that the people who say that, like, well, high school or college was the best time of my life, those are people who, when they were that age, they were adventurous, they were getting out and they were exploring a lot of new things, and they were sort of engrossed in the mystery and the allure of, like, experiencing life and wondering what's going to come next and being excited to be out doing things and having those new experiences. And then at some point in maybe in their 20s, they got married and they had kids and they just kind of settled down and then just like got comfortable in the mundane or the everyday life Mm -hmm. or whatever. And so now, and so they look back on that period of time where they didn't know what was going to happen as more exciting. If that's the case, then why is it when people are... Uh, faced with new experiences uh, in their modern day lives, they don't always feel excited about it, but rather they feel annoyed. Mm, um, well. For example, um, okay, uh, music. You know, um, right. music is a great example of something that, when you think about it with pattern recognition and, and these type of things, once you've been exposed to rock music, or uh, for example. Once you've heard one rock song, you should start, you know, you, you would gradually pick up the pattern of how rock music works. And if you listen to just rock uh, for a period of time and then you you start to develop the, this nostalgia for what classical rock sounded like, you know, you're in your 50s and then you get exposed to uh, EDM. Yeah. Shouldn't do this process of pattern recognition that we've been talking about shouldn't edm suddenly be exciting shouldn't it be a whole new thing to be like whoa but some people are immediately turned off by how different it is well some people do maintain that like sorts of sort of like childlike wonder even into their old age and still experience new things and they're still excited by new things my dad for sure was that way like he was 73 years old and he still like doing new stuff, seeing new things, new technology, new music, whatever. Like probably just as much as he was when he was in his 20s. The and my dad, but my dad wasn't one of those people who would have said that life was better in his 20s. Mm. In fact, he told me that life was miserable when he was a young adult and that it only got better as he got older. And it only started going downhill when his body started failing him. Sure. Like that's the kind of person my dad was. So not everybody is that way. I think maybe a couple things happen is like one, one, I think a lot of those people have made the sub, a lot of the people who don't 
enjoy new experiences or are nostalgic about the 80s or the 70s or whatever and they don't like hip-hop or edm or whatever i think those people have made some sort of subconscious decision somewhere along the way that they're not going to be open to new things anymore like they take in what they want to take in and then at some point and I don't know why that happens or where that happens. They just decide that that's... They, for some reason, they subconsciously shut that off. I think that's part of it. I think the and there's another part of it, though, that like science has shown that when you're younger, your brain is still developing and you're still like forming new neural pathways and shit. So, and then you do that until you're like your late 20s. And then after that, your brain kind of stops developing. So at, at that point, it's probably not as easy to experience new things or understand things that are foreign to you. And so people who are resistant to that effort after that point probably lose that excitement. Mm. When people, you know, when when you're forming those new neural pathways and and then it stops, right? And you're in your late 20s as you said. Does that also does cynicism play into this uh in, in a similar way? Are cynicism and nostalgia two sides of the same coin? Um becoming cynical about new things um and reminiscing on old things um or these two separate topics that don't really feed into each other our cynicism and nostalgia two sides of the same coin as in like if you're likely to look back on the past as better are you more likely to see new things as shitty yeah is that what you're saying yeah yeah uh yeah for sure i think that's i think that that could there's something to be said for that i mean if you look at the way that the Trump presidency marketed its entire agenda. It was the new progressive movements are bad and they're trying to destroy America's fundamentals and stuff. But the entire, so it's cynicism and resistance to new things. But then the way they marketed it was with nostalgia. Like the entire slogan, make America great again. And that's not even, it wasn't even specific. It didn't mean, it didn't claim any point in time and that's why it works so well, because anybody who had a point in time in the past where they thought that things were better could just apply that slogan to yep. whatever preconceived notion they have about the past and w- at what point in time things were better. Yeah, so that that's a great example. That's a, a psychological warfare being utilized through a campaign slogan for nostalgia. Uh, you, I think. I think you're absolutely right that that entire that entire campaign slogan needs nostalgia to exist. Right. Yeah. That's- yeah. Because I mean, if you're cynical about the future, like you said, two sides of the same coin. If you're you're trying to resist new ideas or fight against new ideas or something, I think you have to have nostalgia. Or otherwise, it doesn't work because <laughs> there has to be something good in the past worth holding on to if you're going to act that way. I guess, or you at least have to perceive that there's something in the past good worth holding on to hmm. uh, that's uh, it's absolutely fascinating to me and see my mind starts to go to if people live too good of, mm-hmm. a, of a moment in time you know um well, let's let's use the high school example if if you're if you're king of the court and you know you're your prom king quarterback you know whatever um, you've got the the you've reached like these really high standards among your uh, peer group, um, yeah. and then you go forward in life, and you know you're run of the mill. Let, let's say mm-hmm. you know you you do fine by yourself. You're not you know you're, you're not like scraping by or anything. You're just you're just another worker. You're another cog in the machine. 
you, you're paying your bills, whatever. Does reaching too much of a height uh, and having too good of a period of time cause uh, a nostalgic lens as well or and maybe lead to that cynicism? I think everybody is going to have their peak at s- somewhere. Like, nostalgia-tinted glasses or not, there's going to, in a lot of cases, there is some reality to that. Um, mm-hmm. Some people's life really is the best it's ever going to be in high school because they're good at sports and that's okay so (laughs) this might be offensive to somebody but like some people may be really good at sports and they're really good in their hometown or their county or their region or wherever they're at and then that's what they focus on and they don't spend the time to develop other interests or skills or anything like that and then they find out after the fact that they were good they were a big fish in a little pond but they weren't good enough to mm-hmm. make that make anything out of that later and then if they don't if they can't pivot and figure something else out then that may just be the best it's going to be for that person and that happens 100% so i think in a situation like that nostalgia and cynicism might happen as an attempt to take the blame off of themselves mm-hmm. to compensate for it a little bit. Cause if you do that and then you find out that you weren't good enough and that you can't like, you can't make anything out of your life after that, then the natural thing is to just say, well, things were better back then. Yeah. And it's the world that's wrong now and not me. And so that maybe that sounds shitty, but <laughs> that for some people out there, that's the reality. And I think that's, I think that's exactly where some of that comes from from some for some people is just a resistance to put the blame out of themselves for how things turned out rather than like cynicism for the new and that the new world changed and it's the world's fault that it changed and not their inability to adapt to it and nostalgia in the sense that things were better back then and that's why my life was better and it's not my fault that it's not as good now. Hmm. So yeah. Uh it's it's heavy to think about the fact that some people and i and i mean most people are going to have a peak um hopefully your peak comes later in your life um you know well like with your dad his his peak ended when his body started to fail which seems like uh how you want most people's lives to be right um yeah that way you have that enjoyment. That way you have that fulfillment every day going forward, discovering new things. It, it is it, it is sad to think about the fact that any one of us can hit that peak at any time and not know it until yeah. years down the road. That's <laughs> that's awful to think about. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Kind of, yeah. yeah, and you can look at that two ways. You can say, well, maybe this is the best it's going to be. Maybe this could be the best it's ever going to be, or that could be later. <laughs> it, it could be now. <laughs> it could be now. Oh my god! Uh, uh. But I, yeah, I think everybody has a peak. Like if you're a rock star, your peak happens at some point in the middle of your life, probably. Yeah. And when your music is, when your songwriting ability and what you're putting out co- like gels with 
what people want to hear. If you're a movie star, your peak of your life is or it's going to be when you got deals for movies that worked for you and those movies were hits or a director or if you're a researcher and you go to to, uh, to school and get a PhD your the peak of your life may be at some point where like you have some major research breakthrough it, it happens to everybody and your path through life determines where that peak is it's just it's your attitude looking back on it I think that determines how you feel about it because mm-hmm. you can like I said look back on it and blame the world for changing or you can just look back on it and accept that the circumstances were such that things were better now and maybe they're not as good or things were better then and maybe they're not as good now and that just is what it is so but, is it possible to have ha- be nostalgic for a period of time and not be cynical about the future you know I think I I, I personally think yes you can be nostalgic for a period of time and still think that a better period lays ahead do you think that's possible do you think it's possible to hit a peak and then hit a new peak uh yeah for sure like when i look back on the 90s or like the early 2000s when i was a kid like a lot of that a lot of that is what i was saying where it's nostalgia because things were exciting because i was a stupid kid and i didn't know any better and like the world was my oyster and i was just learning new shit all the time Mm -hmm. and like when you're a kid that's exciting but like the things that came from the 90s and the early 2000s i still think are really cool i think like that period of the like beginning of the widespread adoption of the internet is just a really cool point in history and stuff. So I have I absolutely have nostalgia for that period of time, but I still think that it's possible that cooler shit could happen. Like maybe 15 years from now, there's going to be some sort of crazy breakthrough and we're going to discover some sort of new technology that's going to bring about like some sort of new form of industrial revolution where we're going to like have inter- interplanetary travel or some shit. I don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> or we could have nuclear wasteland. that's absolutely possible has any piece of technology excited you as much as uh the internet did when you first discovered it and i'm assuming Uh, that the internet excited you as as a youth um and the sudden access to everything yeah i mean things that excited me things that excite me as much as the prospect of the internet excited me when i was a kid and started using the internet maybe smartphones like Maybe, but that was just taking all that and just sticking it in your hand. I think the idea of VR is really cool. I don't think it's been well executed over the Mm -hmm. last few years. I think there's potential there for something that's really, really cool. I just don't think it's been embraced embraced as much as it could have been. Or, like, I don't think it's been done as well as it could be either. Yeah. Um, What about you? Um, I I think on the topic of VR, I think there's a, a big untapped market still. I think the accessibility is just still not there. Um, I know that PlayStation tried, but I I still think it was just too expensive and there was just too much setup, I I think, for VR to become truly accessible, right? It has to be as easy as plugging in your game console and then Mm -hmm. throwing on like a visor and then that's it. And then then you're in. For me, in terms of being nostalgic about technology, I think I think gaining access to the internet was uh, definitely like one of the really big highlights of my life experience in terms of technology and like computers in general. I don't know that any technology has really excited me as much since when like when I think about it, except for maybe like three D printing. I, I I still find. The concept of being able to just print objects, extremely cool. Um, Mm. And as the technology for that advances and gets uh, more powerful, 
and more sophisticated, you know, we're printing, we're, they're, they're beginning to print organs and stuff and, and living matter. I, I think that that is one of the most exciting technologies around. It's not something I have access to. I don't have a 3D printer, unfortunately. It's something I would like to have, but um, I don't know that it's going to become as widespread as like the internet is. I don't know that everyone yeah. is going to have a 3D printer. Maybe one day. Maybe we'll all be in Star Trek and we'll have uh, a machine that can just make us anything, food, clothes, whatever. Um, I mean, there was a point in like the mid 2000s where every single person had a printer, like a USB printer. That's true. And and that was crazy for a little while. I mean, that you could just print out a piece of paper and use it for something. Now nobody cares about printers. I don't even have a printer. Actually, I do, but it's not hooked up and I don't even think it has any ink because now you can just email a PDF to somebody. And they can open it on their phone or whatever. But yeah, we may reach a point where a PDF or a 3D printer becomes like a normal household appliance. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. I, I definitely think if we reach the Star Trek equivalent where it's just a synthesizer and it's just like, you can have whatever you want. Boop. That would be pretty dope. Um, maybe one day down the line, that's a whole different thing. Just being able to convert energy to matter but you know maybe we'll get there um <laughs> 3d printers are, are a technology that i'm definitely excited about and vr was too i remember when the uh connect for the xbox came out i was really excited about that i was like oh this is gonna be cool oh yeah being able to like move and be in the video games and then it sucked ass <laughs> yeah well playstation did that first with the eye toy that's true i don't know if you remember that yeah they had this little ninja game that you could like punch the ninjas as they were flying at you um and the wii remember when the wii came out and everybody lost their fucking minds for like two years yeah being able to move everything became a wii game remotes and be like yeah "Yeah, it's moving on screen baby yeah yeah and then everybody was like this fucking sucks when i play video games i want to sit down on the my ass on the couch Play video games. That was the issue. The issue with the Wii was it took normal video games and made them harder for no benefit. Yep, <laughs> it didn't. It didn't really give you a sense of immersion. No, um, no, it just made the cl- controls more clunky. Yes, one hundred percent. Yes, uh, I. The only Wii game that I can think of that I really enjoyed, and I'm going to get the name wrong. I'm going to get the name wrong. Was uh, Zenkaichi Three uh, for Dragon Ball Z? It's not necessarily a great game um but it has fun wii controls and the fact that like you're doing like the kamehameha motion and Mm. like you're doing like the spread arm like charging stance um and like when you do like energy clashes you're shaking that wiimote and whoever shakes that (laughs) wiimote faster wins that clash i enjoyed playing that you know we we used to get sweaty playing that that game just <laughs> clashing beams and shaking the fuck out of controllers and stuff uh, <laughs> so i think that was uh that was a good implementation of it i can't think of another wii game that i really enjoyed the wii controls because all the mario games i hated the wii wiimote and moving like the star around for mario galaxy yeah. it was awful yeah it was awful <laughs> this, that's an interesting type of nostalgia uh, it, do you know what I'm talking about where like people will sit around and they'll be nostalgic about a period in time when that where they will admit that it's worse? Huh. Like, <laughs> like, have you ever encountered a group of dudes who are just sitting there and like, yeah, things were shitty <laughs> back when you had to fucking plug in your phone into your computer so that you could dial up to the internet and somebody could call your house and kick you off the computer. But they're talking about it still. Yeah, the but they're talking about it. 
Yeah, they're reminiscing about it fondly, even though they admit that it's worse. They're 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 enjoying the fact that they're talking that they're enjoying the experience of remembering when things were worse. Yeah, uh, that's, that's an interesting type of nostalgia. Yeah, is that nostalgia? That, oh, yeah. I, I I guess I guess so. I always I guess if you're looking back on anything fondly, whether you know it's better or worse, it's still nostalgia. That's yeah. that's actually a really good point because there definitely is that looking back and being like that fucking sucked. I loved it. That's <laughs> yeah. a real thing. Yeah, that's a definitely oh, yeah. a real thing. I do that too. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, like when I'm telling stories with my friends about how drunk and miserable I was that one time, even though we're just like, man, that was a crazy night. I think that's an evolutionary thing. It's a, it's like a bonding mechanism. Mm-hmm. Bonding through pain is definitely a real thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I would say I look back on our time working at the college with nostalgia. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But that was not. Though, yeah. No. <laughs> if somebody woke me up tomorrow morning and they were like, you work here again, I'd be like, no. <laughs> yeah, that was not a good time. Uh, that that, yeah. that job was not good. Um, but I am nostalgic for that period, and I think a big part of that um, is the relationships that are formed through that pain, um, yeah. through that misery, because misery loves company, and being able to relate to someone that is suffering through that same thing, the moments that occur because of what you're going through are yeah. also part of that bonding experience. I don't know that I've ever laughed harder um, <laughs> than when we were sitting in the office trying not to laugh yeah, and no. sending gifts on Discord in front of our boss. Yeah, like, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's a, that may be, uh, maybe there was some times when I was a teenager when, like, in similar situations where I just, like, cut up with my friends and stuff in class where we would regularly laugh that much. But aside from that, that's definitely the most regularly I've just laughed and, like, cut up with somebody in my life. Yeah, it almost uh, felt a little bit like school in that way. Yeah, it kind of did. It was a lot like high school. Yeah. In the sense that, like, you don't want to be there. You're just <laughs> trying to do anything that you can to keep your mind off of the misery. <laughs> like, yeah. And to be, I want to be clear, if somebody who knows what we're talking about ever listens to this, <laughs> I appreciated that job. Yes. It actually, like, made... It was a, it was a good point in my career. Yep. I don't regret doing it. Nope. But if you... And if you were there, <laughs> I... Hey, what's up? <laughs> I don't have any ill will towards any of those people, but we all know we were overworked and it was overworked, not a good underpaid, time. and it was stressful. Yeah. And anybody who worked there and knows what we're talking about can admit that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was stressful. I, I'll echo that sentiment just to put it out there that it was good for the career. It yeah. was a, a stepping stone, but it, it did suck. It was trial by fire. Yeah. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Um. Uh, yeah, man. Nostalgia through pain. Um, that that's a real thing. Nostalgia for sh shitty stuff is definitely a thing. Is there another type of nostalgia other than things that people really enjoyed and things that really sucked? Things that people really enjoyed and things that people. That I mean, really that's sucked. the extremes, right? Yeah. Which is what we were talking about know. in the beginning. That's what you brought up. Is that the extremes form those memories, and that's what you become nostalgic about? Yeah. I don't know. I think. Uh... People can be nostalgic just 
for a point in time for no reason too mm. about things that are just inconsequential like i'll hear my mom talk to her sisters about just like the wallpaper on their mom's bedroom or something like that or just like just random shit from the 70s and or the 60s and they're it, like that it's not even anything particularly good or bad they're just reminiscing about it and i think that's nostalgia but i think that's like what i was saying with i think it's an evolutionary thing it's like a bonding mechanism right like if you have a shared experience with someone then it feels good to talk about it and like experience that or remember it together it's just a tribal thing right yeah yeah i think so i i think you're right i think it's an evolutionary thing it's a it's a tribal thing it's a bonding mechanism to make people stick together yeah yeah yeah, and it's a. Uh, we've talked about this before on a previous episode, I'm sure. But like, when we were evolving, it there was it was beneficial to your survival to stay with your group of people and like blend in with the crowd and stuff. And so reminiscing about shit and being nostalgic about shared experiences is a mechanism, like you were saying, to make sure that people stay in their community. Like whether things are better or not, it's probably actually beneficial to your survival if you think, if you look back on shared experiences with your tribe as good, even whether they were or not. Mm-hmm. Just because it it's a motivating factor to keep you together. Interesting. And ensure long-term survival. Nostalgia could be a survival mechanism. I think that's probably the most likely explanation. I mean... Most things do stem from evolution, right? And the need to survive. So, yeah. I mean, because uh, if you, th- I, I guess when I think about it through that lens, if you make it to adulthood as an ancient person and you, you've survived, well, that means that the land that you grew up in is safe and fertile. Yeah. So you should want to be there. So you should be yeah. nostalgic for it. So maybe yeah. that's and where it's it all beneficial lies. to you to like, block out the mundane and the shitty as long because like you said as long as you survived it then it probably wasn't that bad yeah so is it just all monkey brain (laughs) is that is that what we're winding it down to is nostalgia just monkey brain being like this was good stick with it (laughs) i think i'm i think there's a lot to be said for that and i think i think that's the I think that's probably most of it, yeah, if I'm being real. Yeah, and here we are once again on Unplanned Pod and see where <laughs> we go. Maybe science. Maybe science can explain Maybe this. science. Maybe it's science. It's just <laughs> evolution, baby. It's just science. It's math-related to science? It's <laughs> Taylor Swift. Oh, God. No, that's Wait, Katy Perry. No, it's Katy Perry. Yeah. With Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Katy. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I apologize to Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tay. Sorry, Tay Tay. Miss Swift. <laughs> well, I think uh, on that note, um, we should wind down this episode of Unplanned Podency. And I would like to thank everyone for watching. And if you've made it this far, uh, if you would, and if you would like to, Go check out Pondency Plays on YouTube. It's our show after the show where you will hear us for this episode recapping about um, nostalgia and maybe playing something nostalgic. So go check that out. Check out unplannedpondency.com. Matt, what can they find over there on unplannedpondency.com? If you go to unplannedpondency.com, you can find our merch store. 
Uh, you can buy something on the merch store. You can buy a bucket or a basket mug. You can buy an Unplanned Potency t-shirt. You can buy a I'm Potent t-shirt. Any of the money that we make from the I'm Potent t-shirt is going to get donated to Planned Parenthood. And you can also find links to all of our social media pages. And you can find a link to the Potency Plays YouTube page there as well. I hope your monkey brain enjoyed this episode. <laughs> I hope you become nostalgic for our voices. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much for watching and have a great day. Bye. Bye bye.